Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, hustlers. We know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you, introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute routing in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share Podcast is brought to you by PDAX. PDAX is a homegrown cryptocurrency exchange that offers the best rates among local cryptocurrency exchanges. Download the PDAX app now on the Google Play Store, App Store, or Huawei App Gallery. Start trading Bitcoin, Ethereum, and other cryptocurrencies for as low as 50 pesos by signing up on podlink.co slash hustleshare PDAX. Also powered by Podmachine, the simplest way to grow and edit your podcast. Sign up now at podmachine.com and use the code HUSTLESHARE to get one free edit. That is where local knowledge really works. Local knowledge plus experience plus technology, data gathering and statistics. Old school still works. No, they have to validate still with technology, with data, because we really map out the whole of the metro. Welcome to HUSTLESHARE. The podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Beitiong. Welcome to the latest episode of the Share Podcast. We are now with a couple of guys that are again revolutionizing this whole new movement of quick commerce. But these guys aren't just random people, right? They're part of this big group that's just raised a mi- millions and millions of dollars led by Mr. Brian G. in Sarisuki. But today, we're going to be talking about their quick commerce app called Supa. Okay, Supa. Okay, so let's welcome to the show Mr. Timothy Koo and Jojo Lontok of 
Super. Whoop, whoop. Tim and Jojo, welcome to Hustle Share. Hey Ron, happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Hi Ron, uh, thank you for having us. Again, congratulations and amazing work. And I'm very, very curious of what you guys do because again, e-commerce and especially groceries. I don't know what it is with groceries. It feels like it's a gold rush. <laughs> Everybody's there. Man, the, 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 the total addressable market and the, the, the rising middle class is dictating this. But without further ado, I'll let you guys answer this yourself. I need to ask you the million-dollar question. Guys, what's your hustle? Yeah, so uh, Jojo and I, we started Supa. It is essentially the first mover and the pioneer of rapid grocery delivery in the Philippines. So what is rapid grocery delivery? It's essentially your daily essentials from diapers to booze, all delivered in under 15 minutes. So wow. we started last uh, July. That's amazing. Again, uh, before the only time commitment that I grew up with was pizza. If it's late, it's free. <laughs> Sometimes I just pray like, hey, hopefully it's late. But I realized growing up, that thing's going to be charged to, to the rider. So again, like, uh, <laughs> I don't wish that anymore. But for you guys, I want to understand, right? This is a very, very intense, and I've seen the competition lately. I've, I've had a few of them uh, as well. But before we get carried away, I, wanna, I, need you, I need to understand first why and how you got into this very competitive market. So, Jojo, and yeah. I need you to buckle up. Because we're going to have to ride the Hustle Share Time Machine. All right. Because again, very, very competitive, but very exciting, total addressable market. But I want to understand your origin story first. Let's start with Jojo. Okay. I'm not, I'm not implying anything. That it's not, it's, this, this, this is not age. Uh, First, but I want to <laughs> I want to understand because you have a very very colorful career. But before again, that spanned with stints in aviation, you know, in in ABS-CBN logistics and whatnot. But walk me through first. How was it like growing up? Did you ever think of entrepreneurship as a path, or is this something that you develop along in your career? Okay, no. Before before I went corporate. Actually, I was an entrepreneur. So mm-hmm. I had small business before. So uh, I had a taste of uh, doing small business. But then, uh, you know, the call of corporate life, you know, appeared. And, and I had to take that opportunity at the time in my life. So I joined Philippine Airlines. But I was already married then. So uh, it was also late. Yes, so it was also late when I joined Philippine Airlines. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my, my core competence really is aviation. Wow. Then uh, from, yeah, from aviation, uh, I went to logistics, mm-hmm. then uh, broadcast and media. Wow. But, <laughs> yeah, but, but handling mostly the logistics part of one of the biggest network of the, in the Philippines then. Mm. So... Yeah, so I was heavy into logistics and procurement. But I, I did have uh, a lot of experience in doing brick and mortars. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I had uh, my time with uh, Air 21 Group. Wow. So I was... Uh, Linas. Yes, I, yes I, was, I was president of Mail & More. 
which we wow. rebranded to Air 21 Stores. So we had uh, all 400 brick and mortars. Wow. Uh, I was doing I was doing the retail for Air 21 and FedEx. Got it. Uh, yeah, at that time. And we also had a bunch of uh, other services, mm -hmm. uh, Western Union, Bayard Center, and all of this stuff, plus foreign exchange as well. Then transport, of course. That's where I met Brian. Nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so he invited me to, to join him mm -hmm. uh, when when I was about to leave uh, ABS-CBN. Mm -hmm. So uh, I also joined him in, in one of his startups in in the modern jeepney space. Right. Right. Then, uh, yes. Then he asked me to join uh, to join him in Sarisuki. So. Here we are now, uh, with 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 Supa. All right, but before we, we, that's a great again. It looks and it sounds simple, but I want to dive deep in because again, yeah. Brian won't ask you to join him, knowing the guy, <laughs> right? He doesn't work with chumps. He only works <laughs> with the best. Okay, um, he likes to surround himself with the, with the best because he also tries to solve the most. I don't know with that. I don't know with Brian, but he he likes doing hard stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, um, so, yeah, yeah. Probably, you know, probably it's probably because I've been around. You mm -hmm. know, uh, mostly in the background, though. I like I like I like playing in the background. Got it. You know, I, I yeah, I like I like being in the ground. I, I like to do the dirty stuff. You know, yep. setting up things, setting up the infrastructure. You know, uh, the, the only time I thought that I was going to be in the forefront was when I uh, I joined ABS-CBN. So I, I thought I was going to appear in the movies or in, in TV. <laughs> but then, lo and behold, was that meant to be? <laughs> Jan Lloyd so, uh, got really nervous when you joined ABS for a while. There you go. <laughs> yeah, but that we were, but ABS at that time was really going into a very aggressive expansion pace. Got so it. they needed. They also needed a lot of help. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, putting up their new studios. You know, yeah. they had they, they had big plans, uh, a lot of big plans. Uh, but it. sadly, they didn't push through. Okay, just 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 uh, again doing a deep dive here. You mentioned that you had businesses prior to joining corporate, because a lot of entrepreneurs and um, again, I'm probably biased towards this. Once you taste the bug of entrepreneurship, you never want to go back. Right, yeah. but some do, and they do well, just like what you did. And now you're back to being an entrepreneur, right? Uh, technically, um, but when you made that decision, was there any adjustment? And that just you stuck around again, six years, uh, in seven years, in six years, in ten months, in Philippine Airlines, and a few more aviation companies and whatnot. You must have really liked that thing, well, for you to really continue, because a lot of people when they taste it, like ah. Through hell with this, I'll, I'll just go bro broke rather than going to to do it. But when you did make that decision, I also want to understand what were the new things that you learned, especially let's start with aviation first when you got there. So walk me through two things. That decision, what made you not come back for a while? And then when you stuck around with aviation, what were those things that you learned and developed through time? Okay. Uh, when I joined, Aviation again it was accidental. Okay. Um, Wrong baggage uh, claim. Is that, is that, <laughs> <laughs> what 
put you. Uh, pro- probably uh, well, it 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 was uh, it was family. Mm. So uh, so I was I was invited. You know, I was invited to join. You know, uh, the rest of the family. Okay. To join, yeah. When 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 they when they took over the the company. Mm. That's a hard thing to say no to. Yes, so that's why I stuck around, and uh, I stuck around also because you know I managed a small airline for ten years. Okay. Uh, it, yeah, it, it, it's it's very uh, low key, but but actually I was I was doing a lot of charters for one of the biggest integrators. Wow! Yeah, chartered so, flights. Yeah, it, it's chartered flights, so it was kind of easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, I, I but high stakes. Get... You can't mess that up. Somebody's gonna get rid of this. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, so uh, on time performance was always key. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I cannot, I cannot have a uh, aircraft on ground, of course, because you know I have, I have commitments to, you know, to my, to my principles. Wow. So, so I was, I was in the airline, you know, mm-hmm. all out, all in. Now, wow. uh, yes. Uh, but then, of course, I think it was too long already. Okay. Yeah, it, it was too long already. And then uh, the business environment at that time changed okay. for the airline. Yeah, for the airline. And, and the certain decisions had to be made mm-hmm. if, we, if we have to continue the airline or not. But when we, we, we decided not to continue, I, I, I had to move on. Okay. So uh, yeah, I did, I did, I did some consultancy work, uh, setting up an airline in in Malaysia. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, it, it's a cargo line in Malaysia, which operated in uh, in Jakarta, in India. Wow. In, uh, in, in in Vietnam, I, I I still double in aviation. I'm still uh, an active consultant, mm-hmm. uh, which is Philippine based with, with that aviation group in in Singapore. Uh, it's called. Yeah, it's called Airmark Aviation. They, mm. they 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 run a few regional cargo carriers of cargo nice. airlines. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. They're, 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 they're still active, and I'm still active actually. All right, so it's your first love. I I would say it's something that sticks with you. But I want to understand though, from air aviation to logistics, because there is a direct path. This is a lot of back end work, and this yeah. is a lot of precision. And deep knowledge that in, uh, you need to learn. Because again, prior, I, ca- I can see the narrative now of how this will turn out very useful for Sarisuki because you need experts in the game of logistics and FMCG if you're really pushing that many cargo yeah. and whatnot. If you're, and if you're going to be that aggressive in getting uh, your, your stuff uh, into the people's doors in 15 minutes. But walk me through the experience of logistics now. Because logistics as we know it now, where everything's last mile, everything's on demand, everything's fast, this wasn't the case five, 10 years ago. It was completely different. What was that like? And how did you thrive in that career? Okay. One, uh, I'm still very old school no, mm. when, 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 when it comes to logistics. Oh, uh, what 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 carried me from from aviation to logistics? What I was uh, concentrated on cargo, so I, I I had that cargo sales for Philippine Airlines. Wow! So I I I, I really deal with with logistics companies. 
as my agents. Okay. So I see how they work. No, I'm part of their supply chain. Okay. And and when I was managing that uh, cargo airline here in the Philippines, we also had the subsidiary, which is a logistics company. So I was trying to do a model of uh, of fully integrating the service, mm. having having the, having their lines and having the ground operations. So. But and, and that experience also led me to joining or well, being invited to the Lina Group. Got the, it. Air uh, 21. Yeah. The purple yeah. people. There you go. Yes, yes, yes. It's now owned uh, by Ayala, by the way. So <laughs> yeah. So so Mr. Lina looked at my airline experience mm-hmm. because he was he was one of my top agents now when I was with PAL. And and I was and I was flying for his main competitor. He he used to be agent of Federal Express here in the Philippines. Right. And he carried over the purple branding to Air 21. Okay. Yes. And, and and I was doing charters for UPS. For, ah, the yellow brand. Yeah. There you go. No, no, the brown. Brown. The brown, brown, ones, brown the, I'm sorry. The, the brown tails. The brown tails. Yes. The brown tails. So, so, so I think the experience with aviation and, and dealing with a lot of logistics companies as agents, mm-hmm. you know, uh, completed, completed, completed my cycle in, in, in logistics, which I was able to apply when I joined the, the Air 21 group. Got it. So heading, heading, heading their mail and more business as their president mm-hmm. for a few years. All right, sounds good. Now let's go to Tim. All right, so Tim, again, you I just flex you a little bit, all right? You you studied in Melbourne, you studied in Ateneo, and you studied in Stanford. But again, these are just amazing schools to be then, but to be to 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 study in. But was it clear to you very early on that you wanted to be an entrepreneur, or is this something that you developed through time? Yeah, so just to clarify, Naron, uh, Stanford, Melbourne, very short stints, short programs lang. Um, Still though. Fully, fully <laughs> born and raised in the Philippines, uh-huh. I, I went to undergraduate in UP Diliman. Yeah. So the, your question, was it clear to me if I wanted to be an entrepreneur early on? It was a bit conflicted actually. So mm. I come from a family of businessmen, but I was kind of a black sheep. I wanted to pursue a career in design actually. So in mm. college, I took up landscape architecture. Um, wow. it's not it's not gardening <laughs> well, <laughs> <a> misconception <laughs> but uh it's it's planning and design of outdoor spaces right. even urban planning let's say planning cities now yeah. so early on uh i wanted to pursue a career in design i was very passionate about it i liked the thought of you know designing with empathy and designing for people the the fact that design can kind of evolve people's moods and behavior was very interesting to me but again, I come from a family of businessmen. So when I was in, in college, you know, maybe 60% of my time was in design. The other 40%, I was kind of hustling on the side. You know, what were the side businesses. hustles? That were yeah, so very, very basic side hustles. No, I, I remember this is before Lazada and Shopee were a thing. Okay. So I, I wanted to make a quick buck, you know, going out, having drinks with friends. <laughs> Obviously, I needed to fund that. Um, so I would... So I you remember go to Port first, Strip. Oh, of course. That <laughs> was the place to be. Oh, come on. Oh, 
No, I'm pretty yeah. sure we... Fourth trip. Emba? Yeah, yeah. Emba days? Katipunan, katipunan. Katip, katip. Malapit, uh, yeah. There, okay. So, um, yeah, I remember the very first thing I did was, you know, I would sell watches uh, on mm. eBay into my friends. I would actually purchase them in the States. Okay. I'd have some, you know, family or friends flying back to kind of bring it to customs and everything so I don't uh, <laughs> import tax a bit illegal um, and then I would just resell them so nice. that kind of you know gave me a glimpse into the world of entrepreneurship obviously it's very basic entrepreneurship but mm-hmm. I started you know just buying and selling things on the side um, mm-hmm. trying to make a quick buck I remember when I went to the short program in Stanford which was you know quite expensive given you know the yep. college student had to pay for my flight and such mm-hmm. uh, the very first thing I did when I landed in Stanford was I went to their bookstore, and their okay. bookstore doubles as an apparel store. So you have collaborations wow. with Under Armour, Nike, and Stanford. Swag. So what I did was I took photos of every single piece of apparel there, and I sold it as a pre-buy uh, back in the Philippines. Nice. I posted it on these Facebook groups, and you know by the time my stint there ended, like a few weeks after, I had sold enough to pay for my trip. So nice. Yeah, I, it really kind of grew this interest. Uh, the in librarian would have weirded out, like, how come you buy so yeah, much swag? Yeah, weird guy like- <laughs> taking pictures. <laughs> but it paid for a trip. It paid for a trip. Nice, nice. So after that, um, you know, I was kind of getting more, more and more convinced that I wanted to pursue entrepreneurship. Okay. And I eventually landed a role in Ninja Van, Philippines. So right. that's so, where I got my start. Now, that's what I, where I really, really want to zoom in. Because when you said black sheep, the guy running Ninja Van back then, which I've had... Not mistaken, please don't kill me, Martin. He said that growing up, again, he had also a family of entrepreneurs. Of course, his dad is, of course, Ernest Kru. But he said he had no intention of being an entrepreneur earlier. If I'm not mistaken, he said he wanted to write or he wanted to be in in the arts. But then he ended up running Ninja Van and that start change. I mean, no, he worked in Zalora. If I'm not mistaken, please don't kill me, Martin. Again, just... If you want to listen to who I'm talking about, please go to way back Martin Ku when he was still running Ninja Van. Um, again, and then he developed acumen, new great habits, and then he saw that what he had was a perfect fit for running Ninja Van back then. You got to work with him. How did how was that dynamic? Because you started very early as an intern and climbed your way up to become head of ops for new business units for a long time. You were there 2017 to 2021. Talk to me about that journey. Yeah, it was a very tough journey. Obviously, uh, Martin is my cousin, but you know, no nepotism there. Um, I reported yep. to another boss. Uh, the first boss I had was Alvin Teo. He's mm-hmm. the regional launcher. He was essentially Martin's partner. Uh, Martin's partner uh, when he was launching the Philippines. Yeah. Um, so Alvin was one of the co-founders of Ninja Van. I reported to him on their operations. I, I remember, you know, Martin pulling me aside in my early days and saying, "Hey." Everything that's going to happen here, you're going to earn it. Nothing's going to be given to you, right? And oh. I, I think that's something that kind of permeates throughout the whole family, right? It's all about earning your stripes. So it was very hard work. It, it was the only outlet I saw. It was the only way I saw out of landscape architecture. At that point, I already knew I wanted to pursue a career in startups and in business. And, you know, I finally found a good opportunity with a company that has raised good money, it's a good regional team. It's just starting out in the Philippines. So it was kind of uh, a good chance to kind of prove myself now. So I jumped into that. I started as an intern for the first two months. Probably one of the hardest working interns I've seen. There you go. I, I would, you know, stay late in the warehouse, 
help out with operations, jump across different departments. And that's where I really fell in love with the business and startup and all of that. Shortly after, I, I joined the team full time. So nice. I joined the team full time. I was still, you know, working through my last semester in college. So oh, kind of a working student. Nice. Yeah. I, I would uh, show up for work around 8 a.m. I'd head out in the afternoon and I'd take some classes in the afternoon and, you know, balance my studies and my work. So mm-hmm. I was put in charge of the freight department, actually, as an operations specialist. And, and my goal at the time, Ninja Van was expanding. They were only in Metro Manila. My yep. job was to figure out, hey, how do we get to Cebu? Uh, how do we get to Davao? And slowly, you know, we expanded uh, nationwide. And out of nowhere, I was handling all of these you know, different freight networks. We're nice. essentially the backbone of Ninja Van, connecting right. all the different sorting facilities, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I eventually became the head of the department. Uh, I nice. headed the middle mile team, um, which, you know, rented out about 200, 300 different trucks. You're moving you know, hundreds of tons of cargo on a daily basis. So really grew with the company. I remember when you started, you were delivering maybe about 100 parcels a day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, before I left, we you know, hit peaks of about 200,000 deliveries a day. What? So massive growth <laughs> in those four crazy. years. Wow. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people joined the company. So with logistics, it's very manpower heavy, right? Yeah. And I, I think that's the number one thing I learned in Ninja Van. It's really how to manage people effectively. Had thousands, I think tens of thousands of riders out on the road, hundreds of people in the freight team. So it was a very interesting challenge. Yeah. So that's the Ninja Van story. That's amazing. But okay, I'll just zero in on that journey. Because that's the beauty about startups. And I always say this because I've had so many great interns that are still with me now that have literally fast-forwarded their career because they took the chance to intern at a startup where if you worked in a big corporate, you'd probably make the best coffee, which your mom and pops will probably, (laughs) or we'll make the print, the best printed uh, things, but you won't have real-life skills and you won't really give yourself an edge upon graduation. But those interns that really stick it out and add value because the type of work you're going to be given in a startup is, is, is valuable. Nobody, yeah. nobody, nobody in a startup gives an intern shit work. It's all like, hey, we need this help. We're undermanned. Help us out. Yeah. But those people that push through eventually, you know, fast forward their career five to 10 years ahead of a normal trajectory or that learning curve. Because again, the type of exposure and the, the, the facets that they get exposed to. But I want to just zero in. Because most, they're all on the other side, there's, there's kids who also just flare out. Like, eh, it's the same for me. How did you find that straight line when, since that day that, say, Martin told you, like, all right, you got to earn it? And was there times for, like, you know what, uh, I'll just be like everybody else? Or did you see that, hey, this is cool, I'll just keep doubling down and see how far I can go? Yeah, I, I think. Back at back in those days, I, I didn't think I had a I don't think I had a clear goal. Okay. So it was just like I, I found this interesting. I found this very fun. I was very mm-hmm. engaged with it. I, I was very intrigued with, you know, how to build a business early on. So I, I guess I fully immersed myself in that. What I would do is I, I would figure out where people were freaking out the most. It's the mm-hmm. most problematic area. And I'd just, you know, walk up to the person in charge of that and, and see like, hey, how can I help you, right? So that gave me an early glimpse of what is important to a business and really trying to add value there. Obviously, nice. I was an intern. I didn't know much, but, you know, I think when, when you walk up to someone and offer some help, you're, you're very, you know, engaged, you're very energetic. You, you like want to solve ninja. a problem. You want to help also, out. Like a ninja. Out. Yeah. <laughs> very Bibo ninja. Um, I, I think they're very receptive to it. 
And, you know, people are very welcoming of help. I offered help, uh, even though it is outside my scope. And I got to learn, you know, the important parts of the business. That's amazing. And again, I've seen amazing stories, not just in my startups, in other startups where you say, hey, this guy started as an intern that eventually became head of ops, blah, 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 because they chose to finish the race. And that's one thing that I, I want a lot of kids now that, that dabble into a lot of things. There are so many kids who want to be part of an internship or who want to apply. But when the going gets tough, when it's not just the fun side anymore, they'll go, oh, I need a mental health break. Oh, I am done. I don't need this anymore. This is too much. I know, I know my worth. And Dude, you haven't even gone outside your comfort zone. And that's when you see growth. And as an intern, if you get past that part where it's not easy and it's stressful already, that's where you actually get to expand and now learn and see how far you can go. Because if you always balk and like, I, I, I don't want to do this. It's so hard, right? And there's peer pressure in that because most people would balk. Most people would quit. But look at, again, look at Tim. The few years from intern to head of ops, that's amazing. But before I, we take our last break, we, you left Ninja Van in 2021, the middle of the pandemic, to go to Bangkok to become product owner of growth operations of FreshKit. Is this your first exposure to FMCG and groceries? And what was that experience like? Yeah. So I went on to join the FreshKit team. Mm-hmm. So they're basically a farm to table supply chain, right? They purchase mm-hmm. fresh produce, different items, different grocery items from producers, farmers, et cetera. And they sell it direct to restaurants and consumers. Mm-hmm. I always wanted to be in the grocery space. Before I joined NinjaVan, I, I wanted to come up with a farm-to-table and a startup here in the Philippines, but I lacked the know-how. Mm-hmm. Um, so in fact, what happened was I approached some of our uh, friends at OpenSpace. I said, hey, I want to build a business. Uh, I want to build a farm-to-table supply chain in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. And they were like, great. Why don't you spend some time in one of our portfolio companies here in, in Freshket in Bangkok? And learn the business. Then let's come back and, and do it in the Philippines. So I did my uh, close to one year stint there. First, uh, the scope was just tech, you know, building out the tech infrastructure, building out the product of FreshCat. Okay. But as you said earlier, in a startup, there's more fires than people to put out the fires. Yeah. So eventually, uh, my, my experiences in operations, I eventually handled warehousing and operations there, handled a lot of different things, handled growth even at, at mm-hmm. some point in time. It was very challenging. Uh, Thais don't speak very good English. So I was a foreigner and it was tough to communicate, but definitely learned a lot in that stint. And like you said, it was my first exposure to FMCG and just the whole grocery supply chain. What is beautiful about FreshCat is it broke down that whole supply chain and really saw where the margins were. We would see, you know, how much a farmer would sell their cabbage and how much they would sell at the grocery or the supermarket. And we'd see the margins increasing, right? From the, from the farmer to the trading post to the um, Bangkok trading post to the supermarket. And I saw there's so much, so much inefficiency in the, in the yep. whole market. The prices from farm gate to consumer were two, three X of what, you know, farmers were, were selling there for. Um, so I saw a big opportunity and, you know, with that, I became more and more excited to bring it back to the Philippines. That is amazing all right let's take our first break and when we come back let's now talk about how you guys eventually joined sarisuki first and how did that turn into supa and how you were the first what's the proper term uh delivery grocery delivery app that gets it done 
in 15 minutes. But let's talk about that more after the break. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate your growth. Submit your pitch to Impact24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCON PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at sasschallenge.ph. That's sasschallenge.ph. And good luck, and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back from the break. We are still with Jojo and Tim, who again told us uh, their amazing respective journeys prior to joining Sarisuki to create Supa. But Jojo, I'll, I'll go back to you first. How you again, Brian took you, talked to you, made you budol while you were in ABS, <laughs> uh, worked with a Jeepney startup after he left Grab. But what was the pitch to do to, to do Sarisuki and how did that compel you to, to still go with him and do this? Um, okay. Uh, the original plan was to do a value food chain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the original plan uh, when he invited me to join uh, Sari Suki, yeah. where we will put up, you know, uh, processing plants near Farmgate, you know, bring in uh, proper processing, food processing, bring in the the temperature, you know, controlled trucks, right. you know, uh, take away meat man and, and really, really bring it to the table. Whole foods know, model. Uh, yeah. Really, you know, what, what Tim saw in, 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 in Thailand. Okay. Basically, we were, we were planning to put that up Got here. It. You know, uh, yeah, because, you know, also Brian, you know, Really wanted to help the farmers, you know, yeah. by by buying their produce at the right prices, mm-hmm. you know. And, and there's there's a lot of you know there's a lot of wastage, 
down that 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 chain, mm -hmm. that whole supply chain. So we wanted to improve that. You know, we wanted to put put up cold storage. You know, uh, temperature controlled trucks. Yep. And 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 bring the project down. You know, at, at a much better price. So that started my journey with Brian with Sarisuki again. Got it. So, and again, that yeah. just goes to show the type of problems Brian wants to solve. Yeah. Because it's not just some little nuance or some uh, that that people want to just solve that. The, you know, people don't even know if they want it or not. These are real life big problems that only a select few with balls and gusto and experience that can can solve. But Jojo, I wanted to ask, what made it compelling for you to say yes? Because again, there is a vision, right? And he is the right guy to solve to to see that problem and see it through and through. But why? What made you say, "All right, let's"? I, I'm in. Let's well, solve this together. It, well, I'm. In, in the twilight of my corporate career. Mm. So, yeah, and I have nothing else to prove, really. And, 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 and when Brian and I were, were talking, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we were, we were aligned. You know? We were aligned, and, and I would like to make use of that experience of mine. Got you it. know, it's almost 30 years of uh, logistics and transportation experience, which we can put into good use and, yep. and, 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 and really, you know, the goal was, was really good, you know, mm. help the farmers eventually help the consumers, you know, by, by bringing down prices of fresh produce. That's amazing. Yeah. You, you, you lose around 35 to 40% of, of, of value from, from, wow. yeah, from farm gate to, to table. Yeah, because again, there's so many middlemen. Everybody puts a markup on top of it. By the time you get to that retail, you basically paid all of those guys that in the supply chain. You yeah, but all the middlemen. Yep. We're basically looking at the wastage. Mm. You know, tra yeah, trying to decrease that wastage. Because these these products again, FMCG has a very short uh, no, shelf no, life. No, no, no. We were no, we were. Ta or I'm talking about. Agricultural products, uh, correct. Fresh produce, yeah, fresh produce. Really. No, the, the ones that we see in the news that farmers just have to throw their trucks, yes. truckloads of you know gulai or whatever, and then because nobody wants to buy it, it never got to the, the table, right? Yeah, and, and that's and that's and that's very sad. Correct. You know, yeah, that's very sad. So we wanted to have a solution for that, mm -hmm. and, and and Brian wanted to go that way. And 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 still still in the horizon. I think it's just it's just the timing. Got it. All right. Let's Tim for you. What was the? Because this is one thing you already wanted. And if Open Space said, "All right, no. join Fresh Kit," what made you? What was the the turning point that made you go back home and now do it here? Yeah. So I remember giving the uh, one of our friends Ian uh, a call from Open Space. I was like, hey, man, I've done my one-year stint here in Freshcat. I know the business. I'm ready to go. Let's, let's do it. Let's start in the Philippines. And then mm. the answer was, oh, man, you heard of Brian. Brian just started it. <laughs> so I was like, oh, shit, okay. So Brian, I mean, Ron, you know this. Brian is not a guy you want to go against, right? Nope. Very, there's, there's very one thing amazing you, operator. <laughs> there's one word you want to put with Brian. I mean, with all the things that he's good at. If you're coming in as a competitor, he's unpuckwithable. Okay. 
<laughs> that's a term. That's a term. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I gave Brian a call. I said I was very interested in what he was doing. Um, eventually, it was a very short 15-minute call. After which, I was like, okay, let's fly back. Let's let's do it um, in Sarisuki. Lo and behold, on on day one, uh, we you know we started reading up about e-commerce, and we said, hey, I think this is a complementary kind of business stream. Uh, it, it works with the social commerce angle. It works with the upstream supply chain. Okay. If you can deliver things in 15 minutes at prices cheaper than everyone else, cheaper than supermarkets, cheaper than your wet market or palenque, um, and you bring that 15 minute convenience in, I think it's a win-win, right? And that's when you know Super really started. Got it. But how did you and Jojo get to work together? Because again, this is not that common. But only startups that are run properly with the, high, the, the right wherewithal can actually build a sub-startup within a startup, right? Because most people that try this just end up fucking themselves up, right? <laughs> They're trying to be everything at once, right? Yeah. But here, of course, we're run by, by the amazing uh, heads. Again, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to uh, name them all, but I know Brian, I know Angelo, I know Bam. Right, but those guys are solid, solid. Which, by the way, you let's go to Hasashir now, guys. If you're listening to, <laughs> we'll set that up. We've been seeing each other for a year or, or so, but you haven't you haven't gone to the podcast yet. But okay, let's start with Supa first. How did that come to fruition? That this is going to operate within the umbrella of Sarisuki, and you guys are going to be working together to really solve that specific problem that you just talked about. Yeah, so we had a planning session, uh, a mancom back in November of 2021, where the leadership team made a decision that we would pursue quick commerce. We were assessing the business model. Um, no one in the past has really done social commerce plus quick commerce plus that upstream end-to-end vertically integrated supply chain, right? Mm-hmm. So it was basically like a leadership team vote. Um, after which, it was basically like a blind date between Jojo and I. Uh, we met for the first time, and you know, we we realized we were gonna build this together. And mm-hmm. luckily, the skill sets, you know, worked. Uh, nice. Jojo brings so much experience in the operations, logistics, supply chain side. I know a little bit more about tech and all of these kind of you know digital uh, skills. So it it worked. I think there's strong synergies when we first met. We got along very well, and from there on, it was just you know build build quick commerce out in the Philippines. Jojo, how did you guys start it out? Because again, if the if Mancom says, "All right, let's do it," you guys are gonna be working together. It's not just like, "All right, hit the ground running." There's there's gotta be some first few steps that you had to to build out. But again, under the umbrella and the, again, unfair advantage that you're already within the Sarisuki ecosystem, you're not literally starting from zero zero. There were probably at least uh, a head start of a couple of steps ahead. How did you guys uh, build off of that? Well, we. Tim and I decided to know the lay of the land first. Okay, um, being in in the logistics space for so long, we know we're going to do quick commerce with certain targets, delivery time targets. So we assess, basically assess the map mm. of yeah of, of the NCR and okay. and and figured out Tim and I figured out. How can we do this? How can how can we do quick commerce here in the Philippines in Metro Manila effectively? Got it. So uh, so what? Well, and then we built the infrastructure mm-hmm. first. Uh, so and tech at the same time. 
But what were the factors that made you really see um, that this can work? Because I've seen, I've, I've talked to some of your competitors. Uh, again, just, just putting it up there. Right? Again, <laughs> completely uh, transparent. But they said that, you know, their Metro Manila density is a, is an advantage because everybody's bunched in together and the type of communities that they actually work or thrive in together is, again, high middle class or high disposable income, yeah. right? But what did, based on your studies, what were those things that made it a perfect thing to do at that point? Because, again, you can build the tech after, but if the market wasn't ready and the numbers don't say that it's going to be good, I'm not sure if it's going to be worth pursuing. Well, that is where local knowledge really will, will come in. Local knowledge plus experience plus technology, data gathering, and statistics. Tim and Brian, they're really heavy into to data and statistics you know, because they are what we call digital natives. Okay. Yep. I, 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 yeah, I'll go more on, on, on Gatfield. You know, okay. uh, rem- remember, I was with one of the biggest courier companies here in the Philippines. Right. So uh, yeah, I, I know all the truck routes, and I and I operated brick and mortars mm. all over. So I already have that mapped out. Correct. So yeah, density, you know, foot traffic and all. Yeah. Uh, so in one of the meetings, so Brian and and Tim and and the rest of the guys were even kidding that oh, I mean, old school still works. No, because my <laughs> old my old school ways. No, they have to validate still with. With technology, right. with, with with data, mm-hmm. because we we really mapped out the whole of the metro. That's amazing. And again, those routes and experience will never will never ever um, you know die per se. But Tim, just doubling down on the data points, when you guys did the studies, what were the perfect Goldilocks zone that made you really pursue this based on just looking at it from a macro point of view? Yeah, so we saw immediately that you know Philippines is a massive population that leads to a big TAM. Uh, I believe the Philippine grocery industry is worth about eighty billion U.S. dollars annually. Wow. We have high uh, e-commerce penetration in the Philippines with the likes of Lazada and Shopee, mm-hmm. but we have very low e-grocery penetration. I think the latest numbers are at two percent of the population Ooh, shopping wow. for groceries online. So there's a clear gap in the market, right? Correct. People are very used to shopping online, but for some reason, they weren't shopping for their groceries online. So yeah. when we started to ask ourselves why, I, I think you know two things came up, really. It's one, price. Um, we think that with the existing marketplace of you know grocery sellers, what happens is they combine an offline existing store, a grocery, mm-hmm. and a logistics uh, fulfillment side, right? Got it. And again, there are already so many middlemen in that whole supply chain of grocery, you're adding another middleman. And yeah. so you're incurring more delivery costs, right? Mm-hmm. So the price thing was was unlocked to Sarisuki. We would get the margins by going directly to our farmers, purchasing directly from them, mm-hmm. purchasing directly from FMCG producers. So we're able to procure things at very, very low cost, even cheaper than supermarket. The second thing we saw, uh, the second big gap that we saw was convenience. A lot of the existing players were delivering, you know, within the fastest was probably three hours. The the average time was usually next day, right? Yep. So we thought those two things were the reasons why e-grocery penetration is so low. 
Price then there's one more. I'll just add. They usually get the wrong size or it's out of stock. So, for example, yes. I just need a 500 milliliter Toyo. You're going to give me a one liter Toyo. What am I going to do with one liter Toyo? And if, if, if you give that to, your, to my mom, that means it's adobo galore for one month. Because we <laughs> have an oversupply <laughs> yeah, of Toyo so we, in our kitchen, right? It's usually that. It's, it's not the right brand and whatever. Like, especially if you're a sophisticated shopper, you want a certain brands at a certain size delivered at the right price range per se, right? But usually, it's either one of those two that doesn't materialize. And again, delivery takes forever. Correct. And with a vertically integrated model uh, like we have, where we control, we own all the merchandise. We don't just buy from a, a separate grocery store. We employ all of the writers full-time. We're able to control all of those factors, right? The problem with online and offline uh, mixed stores is that, let's say you're shopping from an SNR. You're shopping online from an SNR, right? And you order butter. Mm-hmm. And there's one piece of butter left in the offline store. But mm-hmm. let's say one of the offline customers took that butter, put it, you know, went to checkout and decided they didn't want to buy that butter. Now they mm-hmm. put it on the side. So when the online shopper now orders that butter, someone from, let's say, SNR would go look for that butter and it's missing, right? right. So we saw a big gap there. When we were interviewing customers, we were talking to potential customers, that was one of their biggest pain points. Whenever they would order from other grocery platforms, they would get, always get a call three to five minutes after saying, "Yep, sir, it's out of stock. Can you replace and it?" And then your cart's brand? all gonna get messed up and everything. Exactly. And, like, uh. and you have refunds. You have to go through customer support. And it's a big headache. So yep. we decided to do purely online stores. Uh, these are essentially dark stores, about 200, 300 square meter big, like a big wow. 7-Eleven, and we control all of the inventory. We lease that entire space. Only our people are allowed to enter. There's no retail foot traffic. And with that, we're able to make sure our inventory is always accurate. So whatever you see on the app is what is actually available. So that was another big pain point that we saw early on. Now, but here's where it gets really interesting. The time limit of 15 minutes. Again, this is where probably Jojo's, you know, if you are a Grab driver, you should also talk to Jojo. Okay, because you know where the traffic runs are going to be and whatnot, so that you skip all those things, you get to 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 your destination fast. But fifteen minutes guarantee in Manila. Be, yeah, go yes. ahead. You will be surprised that our average time is actually ten minutes what? delivery. How? Why? How? I'm I'm perplexed. How are you able to do yeah. this? This is a cheat yeah. code. Yeah, it's 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 unlike the competitors who, who would promise fifteen minutes, but they adjust it to twenty, to thirty, to forty. <laughs> fifteen <laughs> minutes since, Filipino time. There you yeah, go. <laughs> yeah. Actually, since we launched, you know, since we launched, Tim, correct me if I'm wrong. We are at ninety nine point seven percent of time right. delivery. Wow. Yeah, with an average of around ten minutes delivery time. How do we do it? Well, at first, when we were starting it, before opening the first store, before the first the soft launch, mm-hmm. we were out there two months, you know, having the riders really map map the routes out where mm-hmm. we are going to operate the the sites where we are going to operate in, 
they were riding day in, day out, looking at the routes, looking, looking at the landmarks. It's all about consistency. It's all about familiarity of mm -hmm. the, the place. So when we went live, right. you know, they were just zipping through the, the area. You know, but right. but of course we will not divulge the other things. It's our trade secret. Very competitive market. Yeah, well, 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 it's up to them to reverse engineer <laughs> what we do. You know, but but we are we are able to do this consistently, day nice. in, day out. No, in fact, in fact, the first time customers are really surprised. Right. So uh, they, they are really surprised you know, when 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 we arrive mm. earlier than the fifteen minutes. It, it's so fast and right. it's so fast, and and then that is where the you know the repeat order comes, yeah. which is very important to the kind mm. of business that we have. That's amazing. And yeah. again, testament to this. Do you know I where I heard you guys first? It's not from Brian. Okay, I heard you guys first from Roland Ross of Gumu. We had Ooh. a catch up one time. I was like, oh, you need to try this one thing. It's a super. It's Brian's thing. Because you have to, to, if you want to do groceries, 15 minutes. Like, really? For real? Okay, let me try it out. And then I forgot. I live in Cavite. So, <laughs> shit. It's not available yet. So I have, because again, since the pandemic, I'm the dude that does the groceries now. And that thing takes forever. Right. Yeah. Right? No fun carrying around like three carts. Just trying to get one month supply of food and, and, and things. But now I'm a grocery master. But if Supa is available here, that would have been great. But here's what I wanted to understand. If a Roland Ross is giving me a real recommendation straight out of nowhere, that means you've really impressed people with that. Again, precision and good customer satisfaction. But before that, I want to know how, because it's a marketplace, obviously. There's supply and demand. Right. Even if you have great logistics, if people don't know about you and people don't you don't have users, that that's useless. How were you able to acquire users? And um one 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 little anecdote. Again, shout out to Brian when you guys were doing Sari Sufi. Of course, we're a media company, my startup's podcast network Asia. Right. I said, Hey bro, you wanna advertise or at least get your your the message out in my podcast? And ever the savvy entrepreneur that he is, verbatim, he said, don't hustle the hustler, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, all right. There's only a few people in the world who cannot, I cannot hustle. And Brian is one of them. So now, if you weren't doing the podcast route, making, making it rain on user acquisition, how are you able to acquire users fast? If I cannot hustle the hustler. Yeah. So I think early on, we set on to do the unscalable things. Again, we were locals. We, we knew the lay of the land. So it was, I remember this funny story where, you know, Brian, Jojo and I were having dinner and we were about to launch and we said, how do we get our first few customers and, and really understand, you know, their mindset, their customer journey. So we were in Makati, we were having drinks and we were like, let's find some customers right now. So we started, we, we drew up this sign that said, Supa, groceries in 15 minutes or 500 pesos if it's what? late. Yeah. And then we started walking Where around Salcedo. This was in Salcedo Park. <laughs> yes, in Salcedo Park. We started walking around and we would just talk to random people on the street and say, hey, we're this brand new startup. 
and we promised to deliver your groceries in and 15 Brian minutes. Brian did this too. Just, just yes, old, Brian did this. He probably misses, misses his old uh, taxi driver hustle from way back. He did that too yes. before in Brown. Yeah. Yep. He's, a, he's the kind of guy who likes going on the ground. No. So we started talking up random customers and said, hey, number one, it's free delivery. Number two, if it, it'll arrive in 15 minutes. And number three, if it doesn't arrive in 15 minutes, we'll pay you 500 in cold, hard cash. And we'd show the 500 peso bill in front of them. So we told them, you know, order anything you want. You can order, you know, 20 bottles of water. You can order one piece of Mentos, which costs one peso, and we'll deliver it with free delivery. So we went around and we would see people go through the whole customer journey. And that knowledge was so valuable, right? We would see the highs and lows of the app that we built. We would see how delighted they were when the countdown timer pops up after you pay. It literally counts down 15 minutes. And we'd see the look on their face when it arrives in eight minutes, it arrives in 12 minutes, or when it's late. So even though it's a very unscalable method of getting customers, it gave us a really good glimpse of the product that we built and if there's potential for product market fit. So that was one of our earlier growth hacks. After which we evolved that. We said, you know, let's have some fun with this. We want our writers in on it, right? Mm. We want our writers to go out and challenge anyone they see. Wow. Anyone they see on the street. So back in July of, 20, of this year, okay. um, you would see writers with super challenge signs out on the road. Mm-hmm. They'd literally talk to random strangers and say, hey, order from Supa. Try it out now. If it's late, I'll give you this, this 500 peso bill. Again, this is the savvy and this is the beauty of doing things that don't scale. Because at the end of the day, one of the worst things that you can do as a startup founder, and this is proven time and time and time and time again, and generations through generations of startup founder, forget to validate their product with people that are on the ground. And, and again, old school way, if you're just validating your idea in, in the lean startup canvas, it says there that you know the whatever your hypothesis is, whatever your um, minimum success criterion. The, the next step always is go out of the building and validate. Yes. And if you're a startup founder and you're not willing to drop your ego, look at Brian Koo, who's done amazing jobs out of nowhere on a random night with Jojo and Tim. You know, walk around the neighborhood in Salcedo and again, left his ego at the door and validated straight up. If you're not willing to do that, if you're not willing to hustle like that, then what more about when it get when it scales? You have to earn and lead by example, right? Just have you not done that, then I, again, you're just like everybody else. And as you said, you guys are the locals on the ground. You're willing to sweat it out. And that's now how I saw that beauty of, of Roland Ross. Maybe Roland was walking around that day. <laughs> that's why he told <laughs> Maybe me. he was super challenged, yeah. <laughs> right? But that's amazing. That, that's, 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 again, gorilla also, as you can see. All right, now let's, let's take our last break. And when we come back, let's talk about the metrics and how you were able to scale. Because not just in 15 minutes, you were the first to market. We'll talk about that more after the break. 
Hey, Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again, and we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll in HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Filipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag UnoReady savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag UnoEarn or hashtag UnoBoost time deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag UnoEarn and flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, Hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. 
Dragon Pay was named Fintech of the Year at last year's Philippine Fintech Festival in 2023. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer, trust Dragon Pay. And we're back in the break. We are still with Jojo and Tim of Supa. Again, who told us the amazing journey that they've had trying, again, working together and, you know, getting traction, betting on himself, uh, on themselves also with Brian. But I want to understand, right? You said you were the first to market. There are incumbents in the grocery delivery space who, again, told you, you said that, uh, that the big problems, I've experienced it myself, uh, too much Toyo or <laughs> not enough uh, detergent. So I'm going to have to buy somewhere along the way. But one impressive thing also, when you said before we started recording the episode that yet you were the first to market. How did you get that done? Because now it's getting very, very competitive in this space. How are you able to ship product fast and get that traction early? Yeah, I think right after that Mancom meeting where we decided we were going to do quick commerce, it was all hands on deck. So on, you know, let's say day one, we mapped out all of the tech that we need, the minimum viable product, the feature set we need. So in the span of three months, we literally built four separate apps, right? So we had the consumer app where you shop from. We had a writer app where the writer would, you know, complete the deliveries, update the status. We had a picking app, which I think most people don't even start with. Uh, the picking app would guide the warehouse people in the, in the dark store and tell them what product to get, allow them to scan the product and make sure it's a correct SKU to avoid, again, those refunds and, and wrong variants, wrong sizes. Um, and we had an order. <laughs> yeah, over Toyo. Yeah. And we had a, an order management system. So we identified what are the features that we want in each of these and we stripped them down as much as possible. So even to this day, we're working with a writer app that probably isn't very pretty. It's not very user friendly, but you know, we've through training, we've um, trained the writers to use these different platforms, right? And uh, simultaneously, uh, Jojo and I were walking around the streets of Makati and BGC where we first launched, and we were figuring out where where do we want to put these stores. And Jojo, with his expertise, started mapping go. out. Yeah, he he would figure out where the densest areas are, and completely through gut feel. And what's what's interesting is Jojo would point out Amazing. you know a spot in the map and I'd be like, really? I'd look at the data, I'd spend, you know, hours just digging through population <laughs> data, mean tax per capita to figure out income levels. And every single time Jojo was right. So that's, that's gut that's feel and experience. That's yeah, why you exactly, get a Jojo yeah. long talk into this ball game because you cannot teach that. Right? Yeah, and just sure. like in basketball, yeah, you can show me the analytics. But man, that gut feel and that repetition comes in. I want to understand, Jojo, how do you get that? I mean, gut feel, yes, okay. Just share whatever you can on where, when, and how that, that, that uh, gut feel comes to you. Well, I've got it through years of experience. Like, like I, I, I said earlier, I like, I like being on the ground. I like, I like working with my people, even when I was you know, uh, uh, working corporate. You know, I was always with my people on the ground. You know, I would go with deliveries, you know, uh, were things that I was actually not needed. I, w- I, would, I would be there. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. And, and when I was handling that business for the Air 21 group, 
I was yeah. also uh, at an expansion pace at that time. So mm. I was uh, I was also mapping out new stores, you know, checking the densities. And 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 when I was a young man, I was uh, like uh, galang pusa. <laughs> and I was uh, I was all over the place. You know, growing up, growing up in a, I, I'm an 80s kid, you know. There you so, go. <laughs> there you go. So I I know the Philippines like, you know, the back of my hand. Being Very nook and cranny, you yeah. know yeah. where the best calendar yeah. is, the best yeah. tapahan. Yeah, whatever. during my yeah during my airline days, I was with sales. Wow! So I I really go out, you know. I I have to go out with my agents, you know, everything. So so that that is where the gut feel and experience comes in. Yes. Like I was I was telling you earlier, yeah. Uh, Tim and Brian would always validate it with tech and data. <laughs> you know, but uh, Tim and I, we work together. You know, uh, yeah. like Brian would kid us. It's like father and son. You know, Tim is uh, as old as my youngest daughter. Wow. Probably younger. Probably younger. Yeah, wow. younger by two years. Yeah. That's amazing. But I, I want to then validate. So, okay, you have the gut feel and said, all right, Jojo says, all right, random part of, say, Bambang, okay, let's put this in Bambang, whatever. Or let's put this in, what's the neighborhood outside BGC? Shit. Pitogo. Pitogo, Pitogo in um, Makati, right? Yeah. The, the, where nobody wants to go, by the way, if you're, if, you're, if, you're, if you're a BGC boy. But that's like the best place to put some, uh, something in there. But how do you acquire the property? If you're you're already there, because it's not like this that just random unowned something that that people live there, people utilize that. If Georgia, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that that was one of the biggest challenges. Actually, okay. we know we, we know the area, we know the spot where we want to put up our dark store. Okay, you know, but uh, but but getting a place that would fit the size requirements and and a vacant space yes. and the right price point. Yes. Yeah, and the right price point so we can, you know, come up to our, you know, unit economics. Yeah. You know, it all boils down to to how much, right? Yeah. So, so it was difficult. We we have to talk to a lot of lessors, brokers, not yep. not on their doors, you know, uh, really drive around. I'll, I'll drive around uh, every day. And look for and look for for, for, lease. for lease mm. signs, you know, because uh, <laughs> if, if 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 you talk to brokers, they don't, you know, you talk to a lot of different brokers, Correct. right? And they're not yeah, online. But, These are yeah. all local neighborhoods that this yeah. has a random small sign somewhere. Yeah, so we have to look for all of these places, but some places we would have to bite the bullet. It's a little bit, you know, uh, out of our yeah. price range. But but then it really makes sense to be there. Say like like Backwell or Poblacion. Yeah, yeah, like right? like yeah. like like Poblacion. Yeah. Uh, we we have a dark store in. Uh, don't say don't say where it is. Okay, it's dark. <laughs> it's a secret, but it's there. And that's how Roland Ross gets his stuff, right? <laughs> so no, the Kumu it, office is there. No, you 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 you'll see you'll see our you'll see our dark store because we have a very beautiful. Mural painted on the wall. 
Ah, got it. So it's labeled like a normal, like Sari Sari store that you 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 brand it as Supa or Sari Suki. No, it's really uh, an artwork. Okay. Got it. Yeah, the, the whole store is covered with 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 art. Okay, so if you're in Sinigang Valley, Backwell area, pub area, find that mural. It's yeah, look, by the look, Soviets. Yeah, yeah. Look, look for the for Supa, the, the monkey. Yeah. There you go. The monkey. Yeah. Look for monkey. The, does does yeah. that have a name? Okay, let's yeah. have a treasure hunt. Huh? If you're uh, a hustle share listener and you're listening <laughs> to this, you find it in Backwell or in yeah. Poblacion. Send it to us at, at @hustleshare on Instagram. We'll give you a free goodie and tag both us and um, Sari Suki Supa. or Supa at Supa. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then if you find it, we'll see. Maybe we'll yeah. give you. Yeah, Tim and I will send you. Yeah, Tim and I will send you a promo code. Oh, yeah. there you go. Okay, we now have a game, yeah. right? But again, this won't work if it was just you guys. What you prior to you working with uh, each other and working with with Sarisuki, you've had experience in working with all facets of people, from rank and file to warehouse man to driver, whatever. I want to now add, add, ask you guys, what's your advice for founders who are trying to again get as dirty as this? Because this is where also the big time is. But if you're not willing to go as dirty as this, then you're always going to be looking at macros. You have to be, you know, the facts on the ground. How, what, what was, what's your advice in handling people and how to make pakisama to get what you need? Jojo, I'll start with you. Okay. Uh, early on, we decided that we wanted to build a culture of service. Okay, so we, we have to imbibe this culture with our employees. Mm-hmm. And and we have to make them feel they're really part of the company. They're part mm-hmm. of the group. Tim and I, we, we, we talk to the people. You know? uh, we, we talk to the pickers. We talk to the riders. We're, we're really down there. So we, or we get our hands really dirty. And then uh, we share our successes with them. You know, uh, when 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 at at first when we were doing our deliveries and we were hitting targets, you know, uh, we we give everyone a pat in the back, and so, because that's very important, you know, that that we show that they're really part of the team. That's I I feel that's the only way, you know, the team will grow with us. You know, uh, because we're building a culture of service, so consistency is key, you know, and, and, and we share a lot of, uh, you know, coaching with them. We teach them a lot, you know, best practices that we picked up in our previous work and, and experiences. We, mm-hmm. we, we try to share it with them. Nice. So, uh, well, that, that to me is key in, in, in developing our people. Mm-hmm. And, and and helping the company grow as well. Because uh, any company, it's all about people. Yes, we have tech. Yeah. But behind the tech, you know, who will operate that four systems that, that we have? But, Correct. But our people, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it still is a people business because, you know, we, we try to give customer delight every day, every delivery. And it's our people who's going to deliver that promise together with that 15-minute 
delivery time promise that we have in, in SUPA. And again, try it out. Uh, again, it's it's really fifteen minutes. But Tim, what's your advice in this? Um, in really making sure that you know you get to get the feel and the heart of the people that you work with, regardless of income class, regardless of what their roles are. Yeah, I, I think it's critical to really share to them what the mission is. Right when we when we hired our first set of writers when you're we interviewing them, it was Jojo and I speaking to them, and we mm-hmm. said we're gonna do fifteen minute coffee delivery. And all of them would be like, huh? They'd scratch their heads. Like, do we have to drive 100 kilometers per hour to make this happen, right? Um, and, and that's really where we started to explain that the, the speed gain isn't by driving faster, right? It's, it's through the model, the dark store, the in-house inventory, in-house picking and everything. But when we shared that goal, that vision for them, uh, to them, when we told them that we wanted to reshape what groceries are, how groceries are delivered in the Philippines, Everyone really got excited. Got and when we released all of our apparel, all of our you know branding elements, everyone got more and more excited. And I, I think it's all about building a culture of a shared mission. Mm. So what's interesting about our business is no matter how hard you know Jojo and I work, the back office works, the one person that the customer will see is the writer. Yeah. If that writer doesn't believe in the vision of Super, okay. if that writer doesn't, you know, it, kind of show off those values of Supa, then the customer will have a bad experience, right? Yeah. So I think Jodra and I come from very manpower-heavy industries. With Ninja Van, we had over 10,000 writers. I don't even know how many Jodra had in PAL and Air 21, <laughs> right? But we come from manpower-heavy industries, and the controls there are very hard to build. But once you get it right, it's almost like every single person in the team trusts each other. Right? Absolutely. The writers know how to talk to customers. They know how to delight customers. And I think one thing that was very effective for us was identifying what is the magic moment for the customer. So in terms of metrics, a magic moment is an experience, an action that the customer goes through, which then leads to an uptick of attention, which is critical to our business. From the point of view of a writer, a magic moment is when the writer says, the writer calls a customer, says he's here, and the customer is still in the shower. The customer is still in the meeting. The customer is still in the toilet because the delivery was so fast, right? So we aligned all throughout the company that the magic moment is not just delivering in 15 minutes. It's delivering in eight minutes, delivering in six minutes and really delighting the customer. So with that magic moment in mind, it gave us a very strong North Star that we are all you know, uh, chasing. So with that North Star, it kind of built that culture of service. That's we want to disrupt the way groceries are delivered. One of the like customers more than ever. We think groceries can be very boring, right? We don't want mm-hmm. groceries to be boring anymore. We want it to be fun. We want it to be exciting. We want it to be extremely convenient to the end customer. That is amazing. Thank you so much again, Tim and Jojo. But again, we're not just here to hus- uh, not just hustle the hustler. We're here to be generous as well. If people want to try out uh, Supa, right? Um, where do they go and how do they download the app and what's next for you guys? Yeah, so uh, we prepared a special promo code for all of uh, Hustle Shares listeners. So use code HUSTLE200 for 200 off your first order with a minimum basket of 500. Mm-hmm. Um, you can download Supa on the Google Play Store or Apple App Store. Just search Supa. You can also reach us on Instagram uh, at supa.ph. 
There you go. Again, thank you, Jojo and Tim. But before I let you go, follow us on whatever podcast app you're listening to, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any type of podcast app. And if we did say some jargon, it's going to be the show notes on hustleshare.com. And lastly, if you want to be part of our little community, it's going to be the Hustleshare community on Facebook. Again, Jojo and Tim, thank you very much. Thank you, Ron. Had a great time. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for. I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.